0: Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of The Baptist Home, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brames. Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging. This week, we continue our interview with Dr. Ben Mitchell as he discusses ethics and how that relates to aging and human flourishing and human dignity, etc. If you missed last week's episode, we invite you to listen to part one of this discussion entitled, Why Human Values Trump Relative Thinking. And don't forget to click subscribe to hear more great conversations on applying biblical principles to aging issues. Well, absolutely. Well, I, the question that you just asked, we we will undoubtedly have people come on here at some point, Ben, and, and talk about how to best do that. Uh, you know, to to have that balancing act to protect the dignity, you know, yeah. of of, of, yeah. of those people that we do love and respect. But as you said, how do we continue to show that? So, what one of the things from an ethical theory perspective that you mentioned in your book is to define. Happiness and uh, what what are some of the issues that change that perspective of happiness? You know, a young child, a a lollipop is happy, uh, makes you happy, you know, but but as we age, other things do so. What is what are you what do you see as some of the factors that shape our happiness as we as we age?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, and and I think our language is is a challenge here because for many people, happiness just means. You know, being kind of frivolous and light, and uh, kind of happy, 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 jolly, jolly, jolly. Sure, but but the idea of happiness that that guides thinking about ethics, at least guides it rightly, um, is much more robust and much more uh, complex than that kind of happiness. It's more like it's more like human flourishing. What does it mean to flourish? Mm. What does it mean to? What does it mean to? The, the army used to have that slogan: "Be all that you can be." Um, the, and the challenge in aging i 'm learning myself not 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 by caring for my dad but being sixty five The challenge for aging is trying to be all that I can be, given uh, the fact that i'm i 'm now growing in some of my own limitations there are things that i can 't do at sixty five that I could have done at thirty five and how do I flourish how do i how do I be all that I can be um, given who I am at this time in my life with, with the various um, uh, constraints and and the context in which I, and so one of the things I can do is I can fight against it all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, and that I'm afraid that that builds bitterness and it builds a sense of, of, uh, 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 that my, that, that life is not fair, you know, life is not fair. And, um, I, I think that, I think that that, is going to to fight against our being. If that's our idea of what what it means to uh, grow older, um, then I think we're going to be very very unhappy people. And and as you know, and as I know, there are plenty of unhappy people out there. But trying trying to to navigate that 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 territory of understanding, one we have a good and loving heavenly Father. Uh, who cares for us and who providentially uh, superintends our lives, and knowing too that that um, because we live in a fallen world, um, uh, aging and its and and many of the things that go along with aging and disability are part of what what it means. Uh, we can't fight against it. We have to learn how to reorder our lives in ways that. That allow us still to flourish. So, in this in this global pandemic, I'm I'm a bit of a people person. I wouldn't say I'm I'm um, uh, I can't live without um, lots and lots and lots of people in my life. But I I like people. I, I enjoy relationships. And during this this time, it's this season. It's been it's been hard for people who like relationships. Mm-hmm. Sure. Social distancing. What is that? I know what physical distancing is, but I'm not even sure social distancing is right. (laughs) So I've taken a pen in hand, an old fashioned, actually, this is a disposable one, an old fashioned fountain pen in hand. And I've gotten my cards and note cards and envelopes out and good old stamps. And I'm writing letters to uh, or note cards to people in my life group. And I'm writing note cards to people that I know who are are uh, shut in not able to get out. Um, and I'm, I'm doing that with, I know that there are certain limitations that I have, but that doesn't mean that I have to, to fold up into a fetal position and, and, not, and not reach out to other people. So for me, at least, uh, for me, human flourishing means given the limitations, I'm gonna try to make the best of, of the opportunity that I, that I have. Uh, even if it means going back to handwriting notes, um, and I think I think that's a maybe a trivial example, but I think it's an example of of how we have to reorder our thinking given the limitations that come come as a result of of aging, or uh, limitations that come with caring for someone who is in need of in in need of more intensive care than than they might have in in the past. Um, how do we flourish how do we how do we live a life that is pleasing to God and satisfying to our souls um, given uh, where we are in in providence and god's providence
0: I think the distinction that you just made uh, there regarding the idea of flourishing is so helpful uh, one of the one of the thoughts that I had it, it, a question to ask uh, to prompt you was about how do we how do we handle our own need for happiness as we are caring for others? But when we wrap that within the idea of flourishing, uh, obviously from a Christian perspective, our our need to serve, our desire to serve in many ways, but our need to serve uh, really kind of encapsulates that. So what what would you say from that perspective, Dr. Mitchell, about um, our need to be flourishing and those that are aging, again, using your father as an example, perhaps if you wish, how does his need to continue to flourish, maintaining his dignity and your need to flourish, happiness, if you will, uh, coincide? How can those two coincide?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's well put. One of the things that I have, I have um, had to come to grips with, and it's been, a, it's been a, a good thing, a joyful thing to come to grips with, is that I now realize, especially given my retirement, that I now have an opportunity to spend more time with my dad than I than I ever than I ever have since I was a kid. In fact, maybe even more time than when I was a kid because of his work schedule. So uh, I have lots of time with my father, and I'm learning from him. Um, I'm I'm uh, able just to be a friend in some ways. However, however much um, uh, a son can be a friend, I'm being being a friend to him. And we see one another multiple times every day. We have a meal together in the evenings with my wife every day, and um, so so that's one way that that I'm finding that I'm flourishing as I care for him, and hopefully am contributing to to his flourishing. Um, but I, but I will say this: I, I think it's important, and this is this is my nursing colleagues who would or my social work colleagues who would tell us about this. Too, and they would say um, that you have to remember that self-care is important too. That you know, for you to in in order for you to contribute to someone else's flourishing, you have to care for yourself too. And I think this for Christians, this is where the spiritual disciplines are so important uh, for our reading of scripture, uh, prayer, meditation, silence, um, uh, uh, fasting, all of those spiritual disciplines help us to stay centered ourselves in, in the triune God, father, son, and Holy spirit. And out of that context, then we, we hopefully will have the energy uh, to uh, serve, um, you know, in my case to serve my dad. So caring for oneself is important too. Um, And, and, you know, the other thing that I've, and again, I'm, I'm going to definitely watch the podcast. One of the things I'm interested in, I want to know, um, there are just some things I realized I can't do for my dad because they're not the things that either a son would do for a father or, or that anyone would do for anyone else. He, for, you know, for instance, um, I can't be Jesus to my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't fulfill his spiritual needs and, and, um, I can't I can't take the role that my mother had in his life. I can't be my mother to my dad. Um there are just needs he has that are not able to be fulfilled by a son and maybe by a, another human being. Maybe only God alone by his spirit can can fulfill those needs that he has. So so my my sense of flourishing in his will depend somewhat on my sorting out what it is that I can actually do for him and not being frustrated for doing things that I can't do for, you know, Um, same thing happens in marriage. I mean, there are some, there, there are just some things that I can't do for my wife and she can't do for me. Those are spiritual needs that only the the Holy Spirit can supply. And um, uh, the same, the same is true in this relationship with my dad. And so if I become, if I get frustrated all the time because I can't, I can't take away all his fear, um, or I can't I can't take away his loneliness after losing my mom. If I'm frustrated all the time because of that, um, then that impacts my flourishing, and I'm sure I'm certain that's going to impact his flourishing. He'll feel the frustration in my in my uh, presence with him. Um, uh, but those are just those are just human needs that I can't supply. I can be there. I can be present. And to some degree, I can help with loneliness, but he lost a wife of 65 years. You know, uh, that's not going to be replaced uh, overnight, anyway, and uh, certainly, certainly not by a son. You know, that's just not my role. I have other, I have other gifts and privileges, but that's not one of them.
0: It's so insightful, so helpful. Uh, the way you're articulating some of these ideas, especially as you go through, as you're processing your own. Uh, needs in this time, I think is so helpful. And and so I want to jump back to the false understanding of happiness that that so many have in in your book, because I I think the flourishing distinction is so helpful. But in your book, you mentioned philosophers such as Kant and Bentham and others, Um, their understanding of happiness, their understanding of reason has greatly distorted the biblical Morality, the biblical understanding, uh, and including the understanding to love, and as you talk about flourishing ourselves, you know the the, the passage, you know Jesus command, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we must love ourselves in order to properly love and, and to flourish. So, so how how do some of these uh, philosophers that have been influenced and came from the Enlightenment uh, really impact the way so many people? understand happiness and how does that impact how we process those who are aging in our day-to-day.
1: Yeah, Andy, you're a philosopher. That's great.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: no, I think you're exactly right. I mean, much of what we know today as happiness and much of what we know today about individualism, that we are these we are these individual we are these individual consumers of happiness comes from the Enlightenment the emphasis on the individual. And for, for utilitarians like, like Mill, happiness is defined as the maximization of pleasure and the minimization of pain. Uh, well, that we, we can imagine where that goes. Um, in fact, um, there's a movie some years ago with Woody Allen, um, uh, where, that you know, when Woody Allen kind of played on this notion of of happiness by by talking about this pleasure orb, and he always had this little orb that he carried around, and this was supposed to this was supposed to just continually feed him happiness. Well, it turns out happiness isn't isn't gotten that way. If there were a chair that you could sit in and it would just make you completely whatever we think happy is, if we would have this this emotional experience that, that many people describe as happiness um, it, it, it would it would be more like a, a bad trip on drugs than it would be anything like what what happiness really is in order for us to, to know what it means to flourish to know what it means to be happy in in the, the biblical sense we, we also have to have deprivation and we have to have um, we have to have the contrasting experiences. You know, no pain, no gain. Kind of, kind of experience. And it is interesting that that Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, um, says, "Blessed are those who mourn in spirit." And some translations actually have, uh, "Happy are those who are spirit," to show the the, the contrast. And con- and it's not a contradiction. It's really uh, called an antinomy, But but to show to show how how in our in our worldly uh, way of thinking, those things seem to be in conflict with one another. How could you be happy and mourn? How could you be happy and be meek aren 't the happy people the people who take charge of life and uh, go for the gusto, as they used to say no it It turns out that that blessedness or happiness is an an internal state. Uh, of the soul, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, who enables us to be, as Paul would say, to be content in whatever state we 're in um, to be to be content in whatever state we 're in, and our culture fights against that. Our culture is built on the idea that um, happiness is in controlling the state that you 're in. Mm either through drugs or alcohol or sexual uh, experimentation or, or the next new gadget or um, some great uh, roller coaster experience, literally, I mean, like at a theme park. Happiness is about controlling the state that you're in. Paul says that we need to learn to be happy, to be content, to flourish uh, whatever whatever state we're in. And of course, his his life was an example of that. His Christian life was an example of that, wasn't it? Um, whether he was in a jail uh, or planting a church, Paul embraced uh, that as God's providence for him at that time and, and um, uh, uh, seemed to, to flourish. Uh, so.
0: Uh, again, very well said. I appreciate that answer. the The scriptural basis for this particular podcast is Psalm seventy one, and in there it talks about the the strength being spent and being forsaken or feeling abandoned by others, which is true for many of those who are advancing in age, especially those, let's say, your father's age and above, uh, right. or or even lesser than that. For many, how does an understanding of ethics? allow us to provide dignity rather than simply abandoning, rather than simply letting their strength be spent and not caring about them? How, how does a proper understanding of biblical, biblically-based ethics uh, challenge us, even encourage us uh, to, to provide that dignity that they need?
1: Well, I think, first of all, we, we have to be reminded of what scripture teaches about the nature of human beings being made in the image and likeness of God. Every human being has human dignity because they're made in the image of God, um, and therefore we we have obligations to one another uh, because we are imagers of the, the living God. And um, it's interesting, Genesis chapter 9 is an interesting point. In Genesis chapter 9, uh, this is after the flood, and God renews his covenant with Noah and Noah's children, and he uses language like you find in the in the, the earlier Genesis covenant, uh, be fruitful, multiply, replenish uh, the earth, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, etc. But then he says something really interesting in, in addition to that. Um, God tells Noah, he says, Noah, you you're given the the animals uh, for sustenance you can you can kill the animals for food just as i gave you the green plants and, and every other thing in the earlier covenant now you can kill the animals for food but if you kill another human being your life will be required um and and mm-hmm. then then here's the punchline for or because In the image of God, God has made men and women. God has made humanity. We are unique creatures uh, in God's created order. We are neither angels nor beasts. We are made in his image and made in his likeness. And when Jesus came, the second person of the Trinity came and wrapped himself in human flesh, he made sacred our humanity. So, so we have an obligation. We have a, a, both a duty and a privilege. We have an obligation to care for those who are made in his image and made in his likeness. And you know, many evangelical Christians um, are very sensitive to that at the beginning of life and the abortion debate. But, but um, one Christian uh, ethicist used to talk about ethics at the edges of life the beginning of life and the end of life. And what we're talking about now are our ethics at the other end of life. Mm -hmm. Just as respect for the unborn is so important at the beginning of life, respect for the aging is so important at the end of life because we're made in God's image and made in God's likeness. And that's why I think we read things like in scripture, honor your father and your mother. I think that's why we have those uh, poignant examples in Scripture of of how that can go wrong—Absalom and David.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How that can go wrong, and so I, I think we mustn't uh, abandon uh, other uh, image bearers of God at the end of life just because they can't contribute what we think uh, they can't contribute what we think they ought to contribute to us. Oh. We have a in our hospital. We have a program uh, called "No One Dies Alone." Uh, no One Dies Alone trains lay people to be able to be present with people who are dying if their family members can't be here or if, or if uh, they're estranged from their family, uh, because no one should die alone.
0: Hmm. That's good.
1: It's a testimony to our to human dignity. It's a testimony to our being made in the image and likeness of God. And if no one should die alone, surely no one should be be permitted to live uh, a life of abandonment uh, before before their death. We have have an obligation to care for one another uh, at the end of life and everywhere in between.
0: Uh, again, well said. I, I appreciate all, all the insights that you're providing for our audience today. And, and as you said, as you listen to this and watch these in the future, I hope you get the insights back fed back to you as well. What, sure is I there would. is there anything else that you would like to share? Perhaps something that I haven't asked that that you would like to address with the audience at this time? No, just one other just one other theme
1: um, um, about um, why we ought to care for one another, not abandon one another in our in our elderly years, uh, older years, um, we're made for community. Mm-hmm. Uh, made, we, we who are made in God's image are made to live in community with other people. Um, and uh, that's what excites me about um, Baptist homes. that's what excites me about uh, really really good um, assistive living centers uh, and other places is that they they aren't putting people with disabilities and people who are aging in containers, and walking away. They are they are now live they, they are honoring them by putting by by putting community, wrapping community around around them. And that's so vital important for for us as human beings uh, to be to be in the presence of others, as we will be in eternity. Uh, to be in the presence of others is so very vitally important uh, what it means to be human.
0: Uh, as you said earlier, that's what makes the whole social distancing for, uh, you know, various nursing homes, rehabilitation centers, whatever right. you want to call them, the, the distancing and the lack of being able to have families uh, or ministers or, or whomever to come and visit uh, just just uh, amplifies that situation for so right. many in that, in that environment.
1: And I think, I think COVID-19 is going to make us rethink some of that. I think, I think the experience we've had the last six months, and we'll probably have the next few months is is going to change the institution we call independent living or or nursing homes or assisted living. I, I think I think we're going to see everything from architectural changes that will that will will make um make it uh, possible for more people to be present in the lives of, of, of folks in the future. I think we'll, we'll see policy changes. I think lots of things will change over time as a result of what we're learning now. But, but as you well know, some of the stories have just been tragic and dehumanizing. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe unavoidably, I'm not sure, but, but I hope we can learn ways to prevent it from happening this weekend.
0: Yes, well said. Well, uh, Dr. Mitchell, how, how can the audience pray for you and your ministry in the days and, and months ahead?
1: Well, that's very kind of you. Uh, obviously, my, my care for my dad is important to me, and, and I want to do that well. And so just pray for insight and, and uh, perseverance uh, and pray that I don't get on his nerves. Uh, and, you know, I, I continue to have teaching opportunities, and I'm writing. Uh, so, so uh, those kinds of that kind of prayer support would be very uh, valuable and important uh, to me. Uh, but just that you would even think in the busyness of life that somebody might might pray for you is such an encouragement. So thank you for, for offering.
0: Well, absolutely. My pleasure. And, and again, thank you very much for your time and, and this interview. And I, I know you will, your words will help others uh, in listening to this. And again, I hope that in turn, you can receive some benefit from this podcast in future episodes as well. I'm certain that'll be the case. Thank you so much, Andy. You're very welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. The Baptist Home has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by The Baptist Home, go to www.thebaptisthome.org. Again, www dot thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.